sorry. So, it's interesting because sometimes people have that sense that like, oh, Ariana, I was going to come here and you were going to lift me up today. And you started out with all these hard things. Yes. Thank you. You started out with all these hard things. And I think to myself, where else do we do these hard things? Right? Is this is the place. This is why we're together. So we can ask ourselves the real tough questions. And the wisdom is in the questions, isn't it? It's really the quality of our questions makes a huge difference in what we learn. We have to ask ourselves to get better about our questions. A couple times a year, I invite you into this Ask Ariana morning. Your opportunity to ask a question. I usually send out a note a few days before and let you know I'm going to be doing this so that you have time to cultivate a question. And um, I have a few this morning. I have a few. And some of them are really good questions. And some of them are questions I can answer quickly. So I'm going to answer a couple of these really quickly. This may not seem like an important question unless it affects you, but it's an important question. Has the board considered putting in more handicapped parking spaces? No. The, the answer to that is no. Um, we have not, but I will put this in the board suggestion box. Which, by the way, if you don't know, we have a board suggestion box. There's a box on the wall outside the door, and you can put your suggestion in the board, in the board box, and those suggestions come to the to the board meetings and are discussed. So that's how we'll handle that one. The second question I'm going to give to Linda Anthony, because I saw it here a minute ago. Uh-oh, she says, this question is, can we do a metaphysical study of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Linda is our licensed unity teacher. That is an SEE program, spiritual Enrich enrichment and education. And so Linda, I'll let you consider that question. So here's what I do want to say about that. So I did have somebody come and ask me, Ariana, you did a whole year on masters, mystics, and metaphysicians, and we didn't talk about Jesus. How come? And I answered that question in two ways. First, I answered, we already know that story. And I wanted to spotlight people we didn't know. And the second is, did we talk about love? Did we talk about forgiveness? Did we talk about compassion? And did we talk about healing? And are those the four lessons that we learn through our study of the life of Jesus? We did study all four of those, and we study all four of those every year whether we say Jesus or not. And it's important to think about that because did you come to hear the word Jesus or did you come to learn love, healing, forgiveness, compassion? Right? Ask yourself why you're here. Sometimes we get caught in the person rather than the learning. So I invite you to just give that little space in your brain to know that we are working on those things together. And those will be teachings that we always work on because they're the core teachings of life, aren't they? 
Who do you find the most inspirational master mystic or metaphysician? That's a really good question. The most inspirational. You know, I loved Rumi. When we worked with Rumi, I, um, the teachings of Rumi hit me really at the core of my being. So there's a part of me that's, that, that goes to Rumi first. But something else might come while we're doing the rest of this, so we'll see. That's my top of my head. These are from this morning. A good explanation of reincarnation as you see it. So first of all, um, I do believe that we live and come back. Um, So I'm going to try and do this. I'll just do it with my body. So imagine you're looking at the ocean. And the ocean has waves on the top of it, doesn't it? So one wave rises, comes up, and goes back down. And another wave behind it rises, comes up, and goes back down. And there's a place where those two waves cross, isn't there? But they're separate waves. But there's a place where one wave comes over another, comes over another, and the waters of those waves mix. So it is my belief that in the universe that we are not confined to this structure that is what we think of as one individual soul. I believe that we work like we, like science has explained the universe to work, that we work in what I'll call soul particles. And that when we leave our bodies, our soul particles go back into one place, one being. And as the next part of what is called forth in the universe rises, those soul particles come together to form a new unique being comprised of soul particles that were many other unique and separate beings. So when somebody says to me, I really do believe, I know 72,000 people have been Cleopatra, but I really do feel like I was Cleopatra. I believe that there is the opportunity for us to carry within us the soul wisdom of many, many different soul particles, the stories and lessons of life. I also believe that we are here to heal old ideas and that as those soul particles come together to form the unique us that we are, that we bring forward ideas in the universe that need to be healed. And when we heal them in ourselves, we heal our history and we heal our future. And those things are really important to me. So, so my perspective on reincarnation is a little different than the traditional one because I don't see us as having one past life and another past life and another past life. And it's important to consider how you see that. You don't have to agree with me. It's how I have experienced things uh, that brings me to that particular way of thinking. How would you define the soul? Soul particles. I, um, I believe we are truly one, um, 100% on every level one. And um, so when we talk about reincarnating as different souls, we're all going to be same parts of, parts of the same one all the time. And that our souls are that. How do you love someone who does not know how to love you back? Maybe a teenager or a partner. Ah, boy, I know that teenager one. How do you love somebody when, when they're not able to love you back? So love is a choice. 
I, what I will share with you is in uh, 1998, I got divorced from someone I loved very much, um, someone I was, was deeply committed to. And uh, I really struggled with that divorce because I made that till death do us part promise going into that marriage. And so it was difficult to step out and still, I think, the right thing to do. The reason that I say that is because afterward there was a lot of anger and I found myself reacting to the anger. And um, somewhere along the line in that process, I realized I had the ability to decide who I wanted to be no matter who the other person wanted to be. That I could be present to someone else's anger without having to take on the anger. That I could be in the same room with someone else who was sad and not have to take on their sad. That I could simply hold space for what someone else was feeling. And sometimes that's what you have to do. Sometimes when someone can't love you, for whatever reason, and teenagers are a good example because at 16 they're busy figuring themselves out. It has really nothing to do with you. And everything to do with them really learning who they are powerful, important time for them. It, it isn't about us even knowing what love looks like for them. It's about us deciding who we want to be and being beings of love. What does it feel like when you love someone? When you love someone and they can't love you back, sometimes you have to make separation. Sometimes you can't stay with that person. Sometimes it's a dangerous or difficult situation and you have to make a choice. You don't have to stop loving to take care of yourself. You just have to remember you're as responsible for loving yourself as you are anyone else. And that you are the only person who can take care of your personal needs. And make sure that you make that a priority. How can I help a family member who doesn't seem to accept my love help with addiction and mental health issues. So I'm going to tell a story I've told, told you before because it's the best story I've got when it comes to mental health and addiction. I have a child who struggles with addiction, alcohol addiction, has since he was 12 years old. He's 37 now. And he and I talk very publicly about it, so he is very comfortable with my speaking about what I've learned through my process with him. When he was about 16 or 17, I, I had one of those knees to the floor moments when you just have, like, there's nothing left. I don't know what to do. I've done everything I can think of, and nothing is working. I don't know what to do. And I was on the floor on my knees asking for help. Please help me understand what I'm not getting here. And the drop-in that I got, and drop-ins happen to me when I, get, when I get that divine answer that I didn't think of. I didn't think it. It just came as a whole thought and fell into my head. And the answer that I got in that moment was, imagine what it would feel like to live in those shoes. Imagine that you made a choice to come into this life and be the black sheep. Imagine that you made a choice to come into this life knowing that you would be, your choices would affect everyone around you. That your difficult choices would make your teachers, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your grandparents, your next door neighbors, everyone decide who they were going to be. Imagine what it would feel like. Imagine the tremendous sacrifice you would make. Because don't we want to come into this life and have joy? 
Have bliss, be happy. But imagine if you were willing to give up this lifetime to play that role so that everyone around you could be affected, could have the opportunity to make a choice about who they are going to be. Imagine. So when someone is engaged in mental health issues and in addictions, I try very hard to be, first of all, grateful that they are carrying the burden of that role and I don't have to play it. And I try to ask myself, what is it that I'm offered the opportunity to learn here? Because the sooner I learn what I'm trying to learn, the sooner that person no longer is needed in this role and has the freedom to go on and experience life differently. So often, we, we put our judgments on other people, why they are, what they're, why they are who they are and what they're doing and, and all of that, when what really needs to happen is that we need to ask ourselves what we're trying to learn. Who do we want to be? I said this morning, people of character. What does it mean to be a person of character? I can't answer that for you. For me, it has to do with authenticity, with a willingness to sit here in a vulnerable way and be truthful with you about life. For me, it has to do with, with a level of honesty, with a willingness to stand up when my voice is needed and with a willingness to step back when my voice is not. It, it has to do with operating from love and from, um, from the deep inner knowing, being willing to run the risk of operating from the deep inner knowing. You have to ask yourself what it means to be a person of character. What I know about being a person of character is that to be it, you must look at everything that happens around you through the lens of what you are attempting to learn from it. And with a, a level of gratitude for the opportunity to learn. One more. That's, I may not have one more. Okay, I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer one more who has one. Way back in the way back, Austin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. How I define love. So love and God are interchangeable words for me. Um, love is generally the word that I use to define what I think of as God. So, um, can I use your scarf? So there's this field that is the divine and we can call it God and we can call it source and we can call it universe and we can call it just energy. But if we look at everything around us, if we had enough magnification to uh, something strong enough, we could 
magnify and magnify and magnify till the point where there is so much space we can hardly see matter. Where, because we are largely space. So when I think of love, I think of that space. What is that space? What is it? We're calling it space. What is it? It's the thing that connects everything. It's the glue between all the little particles that become something. Everything emerges from that space. Everything. So if I had a couple of rubber bands, I could make a bunny. Right? I could make something of this. I could make a doll. Look, it's going to be more like a bunny. (laughs) With a really big tail. That's right. With a fluffy tail back on this end, right? I can make something out of this fabric of the universe. We come out of the fabric of the universe. We are never apart from the fabric of the universe. It's what comprises us. We are that space, that love, that energy that is the universe. When we talk about being one, we are, there's, I can make anything I want out of this. It still ultimately is what it is. Correct? The same thing for us. Thank you. We are the fabric of the universe. We are the space. We are the, the field that is love. We are never in any moment of our life ever separate from that because we can't be. It's what comprises us. So when we talk about being love, when we talk about being God expressing, we're talking about being our most authentic self. This already exists inside of you because it's what you're made of. It's who you are. There is nothing else. Everything that shows up on the surface of who you are that isn't God love expressing, all of that is judgment and ideas and thoughts, conditioning that's come from this lifetime. It's not, becoming God expressing is not about taking on something new. It's about taking off what isn't you, right? Getting back down to pure love. And pure love is not always soft and, and sweet, sticky sweet. Pure love sometimes is strength and power and courage. An ability to stand up for what is right to you. Because what is right to you is what you're here to do. Pure love is being able to speak from your vulnerable place and, and speak honestly. And to ask yourself, who am I when I'm God expressing? How would I respond? That, you know, that old plastic band, what would Jesus do? Not a bad idea to think about that. Not a bad idea. What would Buddha do? What would Jesus do? What would any mystic or master that you admire do in being the expression of love? Today, I hope what we're doing as the expression of love is considering our thoughts, considering our hate speech, considering our judgments, and considering being that love in the world that does away with violence and harm. Thank you for your questions. I have a couple of quotes for you. 
on the subject of questions. Shannon L. Adler said, courage does not happen when you have all the answers. It happens when you face the questions you have been avoiding all your life. That's a good one, isn't it? St. Francis Bacon, or Sir Francis Bacon said, a prudent question is half the wisdom. Ask the good questions. Claude Levi Strauss said, the scientist is not a person who gives the right answer. He's the one who asks the right question. And finally, this is from Richard Dawkins, and it's his answer when asked this question, which he was asked many times because of his health issues, what helps you to get up in the morning? What keeps you getting up in the morning? And he answered this, after sleeping through a hundred million centuries, we have finally opened our eyes on a sumptuous planet, sparkling with color, bountiful with life. Within decades, we must close our eyes again. Isn't it a noble and enlightened way of spending our brief time in the sun to work at understanding the universe and how it is we came to wake up in it? <laughs>